All right, well, this morning, I want to welcome you again. Pastor Tim is uh, not here, as you may have already noticed, and he is, he, they have already finished their Sunday in Taiwan and with our missionary David Homer over there, and so this past week, they've been, uh, Pastor Tim and Pauline both have been in uh, Japan with uh, Matt and Rachel and the Air Force there and, and ministered there, and now they're in Taiwan with our missionary, so they still have several more places over on this Asia tour, so be praying for them. And uh, if you came this morning expecting to hear about the revelation uh, <laughs> from Pastor Tim, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, he's taking a, a, a couple-week break because he's gone, and so uh, I'm going to go a different direction. But it's still the revelation of God. It's not, we're not going to focus on the, the book of Revelation, but all the Bible is the revelation of God. So we're going to go to the the revelation of God in just a moment. But first, I'm going to start with a personal confession. Is that okay with you? <laughs> actually, usually people love it when pastors confess anything. So I'm sure you're going to actually you just love it when somebody else confesses their sins because it doesn't make you feel so bad, all right? So I'm going to start with my confession. <clears throat> um, about a month or two ago, this is, uh, this is something that actually it, it stabs me at the heart. And I, I I laugh about the fact that it's a confession, but I really do feel bad about this. Um, about a month or two ago, on the phone, here in the church office, I lost it with a DMV supervisor on the phone. <laughs> oh, you've been there. Uh, uh, I was combative. I was very irritated. I never cussed, but I Christian cussed, okay, if you know what I mean. Uh, I sat there, first of all, talked with some people on one line, you know, and just, it had to do with some church business, our buses out there, and I'm trying to figure some things out, and, and just talked to one branch of the DMV, and they said, oh, you got to call this, so you call if, you know, you go through all their hoops, and I was being calm. But then with this next one, I sat on the phone on, on hold for about 40 minutes, and then finally somebody came on. I couldn't go anywhere. You know, I'm at the desk, the phone there and everything. And, um, and finally, then after all that, she says, oh, I'm sorry, your name is actually, your personal name is not on here, so I can't help you until you get that straightened out. And, um, and this is already after I've gone through a few paths, and I knew this was not the case. I could... I know you can let me have, I'm just seeking a little bit of information. This is very simple. And so I got pretty angry, and we went back and forth, and then I asked for the supervisor, and the supervisor came on, and um, she was almost as bad as me, okay? She was really, she, she came on with a tood. And uh, so we really got into it. Um, here's the problem, though, that absolutely, when I was done with this phone call, I basically slammed the phone down, and I, I was thinking in my mind, here's the bad part. And by the way, <laughs> if you're excusing any of my actions right now, you're just as bad as me, okay? You're just as bad as me. I was thinking in my mind as I put that phone down, she knows everything. She saw everything right there. This is from the home church, because I, I had introduced it like that. She knows what that was all in there. I'm, I introduced myself earlier on as Pastor Luke from the home church. So now she's talking to a pastor from a church that is chewing her out and saying all these things and treating her that way. So just let me tell you, I, I have to confess to you that your, the associate pastor at your church brought down the name of Christ and brought down the name of this church with my actions and I don't know where she's at, this lady on the other side of the phone. I don't even remember her name. It's a huge organization. I felt pricked in my heart. I said, I need to probably call and confess, but I don't even know who she was. I have no idea. I did go home to my family. I sat at the t dinner table that night. I said, I have a confession to make. Um, but here's the question this morning. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Why? did I get so angry? Why did I knowingly bring down the name of Christ and bring down this church, the name of this church, with my actions? Why? 
why, the, the question is, why did I sin? That was a sin. Um, have you ever wondered that? You become a Christian, you get saved, and the question is, why do Christians sin? Why do Christians still sin? I mean, we know better. If anybody should know better, we should know better. And if anybody should be able to stop, it's us. We have Jesus living inside of us. We understand what sin will do to our lives, and yet, we don't pray like we should. We don't tell others about Jesus like we should. We get angry. We are materialistic. We are lustful. We are selfish. The reason a Christian sins, the reason for all of this is because there is, this morning, a side of me that is consumed with me. There is a side of me that is consumed with me, and he resides in me. This side of me wants to pursue every inner desire and lust in a way that's outside of God's boundaries, and he's always wanting to do that. So for the next two weeks, what I'm going to do this Sunday and next day, I'm going to talk about this war that resides inside of us. The Bible talks about there being a war in us. I'm going to talk about, though, how we can win this war that is inside of us. So let me show you, though, first our main text that we're going to kind of center everything on. Galatians chapter 5. If you go in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, this is where we're going to get our answer branch out from here, but this is an amazing passage of Scripture. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul, writing to these precious people, Christians, that know the Lord in this area called Galatia, which is now modern-day Turkey. They were new Christians. This is the first century. And they were wanting to serve the Lord, but they were finding a battle inside. And here's what Paul says, Galatians 5, 16, this I say then, after explaining so many, so many other things, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, we're going to launch into this more, but God is using the brilliant mind of the Apostle Paul here to help us grasp a war that is raging inside of every Christian. And this passage also gives us the key that unlocks the answer to how to win the war. But before we get to that and the, the solution, let's try to understand the problem a little bit better. The letter of the Romans, letter to the Romans and the letter to the Galatians are very similar in many ways. The letter of the Romans is very, it's a lot bigger and more detailed. Galatians kind of gets to the point a little quicker. <clears throat> but this is written by the Apostle Paul through God, God telling him what to write. But this is written by the Apostle Paul in the first century uh, after Jesus. And it's one of the most amazing documents, the Romans, in the entire world. It is. It has many of the same themes as Galatians, and it's written to Christians. But much of the letter revolves around what to do with the evil that resides in our hearts. So let's look at one passage that relates to this topic, and I'm going to read it through, and then I'll come back and comment. But I want us to kind of read this passage all the way through to get the sense of what Paul is saying about what resides in him and what resides in us, even, if, even as Christians. Romans 7, verse 18. Romans chapter 7, verse 18, it'll be behind me here. For I know, he said, that in me, in me, that is in my flesh, there's that word again that we saw in Galatians, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, no good thing, for to will is present with me. That means to desire or want. I want to do it the right thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. 
It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Don't get confused. Stay hanging there. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. This is where I take the title for our message. There is a war. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then to kind of sum this all up, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, yes, but with the flesh the law of sin. And there it is. With my mind I serve the law of God, yes, I have this desire, I want to, but in my flesh the law of sin. And it's always pulling that direction. So Paul is describing this intense battle that's within himself. He feels it, and we feel it. He had been saved for a long time and had pursued a holy life. He wanted a good life, a holy life. He wanted to live for the Lord. He wanted his actions to be pure, his motives to be pure. He wanted to do the right thing. But he was still dealing with this pull to sin. Look again at verse 18, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Back up to that first verse we started reading. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. Meaning, as a Christian, I have the inner desire to do right. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So Paul is helping us understand that as Christians, we have the want to. We have the want to in us. That's the Holy Spirit residing in there. That's Jesus living inside of there. But it's the how-to is where the problem is. That's where the battle is, the how-to. Every time I want to do the right thing and stay away from sin, I come up against that enemy, the, the flesh. The flesh, Paul calls it right here. Have you ever wanted to refrain from anger, <laughs> but you didn't? Have you ever wanted to stay away from that person that you know you shouldn't be around, but you didn't? Have you ever wanted to get up and read your Bible and seek the Lord, but you didn't? As a parent, I get all over my children for getting angry with each other. I mean, they get angry with each other. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. And they go head to head sometimes. And they say, I'll separate them. They got in this big battle. And I say, you know, why did you knock them over the head with your truck? Uh, and, and they'll say, I, I wanted to not be angry. I said, well, you can not be angry. I, well, I wanted to, but I know I couldn't. I just couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Then, of course, I give them the whole speech. Yes, you can help it. You can do this. <laughs> but when it comes to me, God, um, that's different. That's totally different than the kids because I really can't. I mean, I want to also. I didn't want to get mad to that lady on the DMV, at the DMV, on the phone. I didn't want to, but I just couldn't help it. How to perform that which is good, I find not. See, just wanting to do something is not strong enough to help us win the war against our flesh. And it's because of something called that flesh, and Paul is not re referring to our skin and bones here when he's saying our flesh. But we could say this in several ways, but here is a definition of the flesh that I would like to give you. There's probably many definitions we could use, but this one I like. The flesh. It is, in this sense, my natural tendency to please myself in any way I see fit. My natural inborn tendency that everyone was born with to please myself in any way that I see fit. That's what we all want to do. That's what we all want really deep down to do because of that flesh. This is something that we're all born with. Now, let me just tell you, 
something, everybody. I don't know everything about you. I haven't been reading your emails. I haven't been reading your mail. I haven't been listening in on your phone calls. But I know, I don't know everything about you, but I know something about you. You currently have a natural tendency to please yourself in any way you see fit. Now, so here's what we're saying. There's a side of you, I'm, I'm trying to be as clear as I possibly can. There is a side of you and there's a side of me that is wicked and has no good thing in it. My, in our, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing and it has the potential to ruin everything in your life. Now this is a hard concept for me to gulp down. I gotta admit to you. And here's one of the reasons. Because I don't think little old Christian grandmas who've been Christians for a long time sin. (laughs) I mean, just in me, just thinking in my head, I just don't think they sin ever. They're just precious little ladies who love the Lord. But I was thinking about that. You grandmas know yourself out there, don't you? You grandmas know yourself. There is a temptation for you grandmas to be selfish, to be proud, to be covetous, to be angry, to be vengeful, to be spiteful, to be manipulative, etc., etc. You know, the Bible says even grandmas have flesh. But you're not alone, grandmas. John Newton, who wrote the amazing song that we sing called Amazing Grace. John Newton was a, a slave trader, a cruel, cruel and wicked man, he says. He got saved by the amazing grace of God. His life turned around. He became a pastor later on and he spent the rest of his life pastoring uh, at a, mostly at a small church in England to the day he died. And at the age of 83, 83, he wrote a letter to a pastor friend of his, and one of the things he said in there is he he confessed that he had always assumed that after walking with God 40 or 50 years like he had, that he would have made more progress in the Christian life. He he was wondering in this letter why at 83 years old, here's what he said, that the temptations of the flesh were still as strong in him as they were when he was a young man. I am 83 years old and they're still strong. Listen, this morning if grandmas have flesh and if John Newton has the flesh and if the Apostle Paul says that he has the flesh, where does that leave you and me? Where does that leave you and me? What exactly does the flesh desire to do? This part of me, this natural tendency to do whatever it sees fit, what does it actually want to do? And if left by itself, if left to itself with no restraint, what does it want to do? Here's a list. Galatians chapter 5. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at what... Paul says are some of the works of the flesh. And he lists them. God lists them through the Apostle Paul here, but this is a list that he gives. Now the work, verse 19, Galatians chapter 5, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're clear. They're made very clear. And he's going to start naming them. Now here's, somebody has said, in this list, what what Paul is about to do is he's going to call sin by its first name. We say sin, it's just the, that broad general sense. But now he's going to call sin by its first names. And it gets ugly. And as I read through this, it gets uncomfortable. In a church setting like this, we're all Christian people, or most of us probably have Jesus residing inside of us. And to even talk about some of these things feels uncomfortable. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because it's the works of the flesh and it's what our flesh wants to do. And it's in the Bible and it's, this is where our flesh would go if left unchecked. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, which is illicit sex between married people. Fornication. The Greek word fornication is porneia, where we get our word pornography. Porneia means sexual sins of any kind. 
By the way, <clears throat> a quick word on pornography. It is, in, in my, I heard somebody say this recently, and I agree with them. It is, pornography is not a, a sin in our time. It's the sin of our time. The access to pornography is unprecedented. It is, it is blown up. There's never been a time in the history of mankind where pornography is more available to the youngest of people. What is that doing to their minds? What is that then going to, what's the ripple effect? What's the wave that it's going to create all over the world? I think it's going to do more damage, and it is doing more damage than anyone realizes. And we know that it does damage inside of our hearts. The next one is uncleanness, which just means filthiness or uncleanness of heart and mind. An unclean mind. Lasciviousness, which is an old word that means an appetite that knows no shame. It's debauchery. Idolatry is the next one. Placing anything above God. You know, the day that we live in, this is a materialistic day that we live in. And anything that we put above God, any item, anything that goes above, that we desire above God becomes an idol. It's self-worship Self-worship is rampant. The next one is witch, witchcraft, which actually in the Greek is the Greek word pharmakeia, which is where we get our word pharmacy. It's, it's actually, in this case, what we're talking about here is the use of drugs, which using drugs and abusing drugs leads to other things. Always, always, always. <clears throat> the next one is hatred. <clears throat> Enmity. It means enmity, hatred, anger, the attitude of mind that defies and challenges others. Variance, which means strife against people. This is where our flesh would go. Emulations, which means jealousies or rivalries. It's the comparison trap. I'm jealous of what they have. I'm jealous of what they have. I'm jealous of what he has. I, wanna, I want that. How come I can't have that? The comparison trap. You know, by the way, the comparison uh, trap, the so- social media has taken that to new levels. R- uh, wrath, which means outbursts of anger. Strife, which is self-seeking and selfish ambition. Seditions, which is divisions among people. Heresies, which actually, it really means cliques, you know, forming cliques to the exclusion of others. Envyings, carrying, uh, which means carrying of grudges and a deep desire for what others have. Envy. Murders needs no explanation. Drunkenness needs no explanation. Revelings, which is the word they use for orgies. And such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he's saying these are those sins that keep people from inheriting the kingdom of God. These are the earmarks. These are the sins that are driving people away from the Lord. Now, do you see in that list, do you see how relevant this old Bible is? I mean, man, he just nailed it on the head to where we live today. We are all aware, and it's interesting to me that he starts off with sexual sins. because It's the same then as it is now. We're all aware of the shipwrecked lives because of the pursuit of the desires of our own flesh. We know people today are trapped and they don't know how to. It's the how to. How to do this. How to stop the habits of looking at pornography and how to stop the habits of drinking alcohol and how to stop blowing all my money and how to stop exploding in anger and how to stop taking drugs and how to stop being so materialistic and how to stop coveting and how to stop having my mind only on myself. How do I stop? And there, and there are the things in this list that my flesh and your flesh wants to go after every day. So what Paul is saying, that is, in my flesh, that list is where that flesh always wants to go. It always wants to go there. It wants to keep driving you and driving you and driving you there. So, it's this battle, and Paul described it in Romans chapter 7. The good that I would, I do not, and the evil that I don't want to do, that I do, and I hate this. 
and, and how to perform that, how to get this done. It's, it's driving me crazy. Who will save me from this body of death? He says at the end of Romans 7. It's like he just collapses in a heap. Who will save me from this? Have you ever felt the pull so bad inside of you, the pull to sin, and yet the Holy Spirit's inside and pulling you? Come on, do the right thing. That is the battle. That is the tension. And that is the war inside. So what is the solution? What is the solution to that? Now let's go back to our main verse. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We know the problem. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There it is. Our answer. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's impossible to walk in the Spirit and fulfill the lust of the flesh at the same time. You cannot do both at the same moment. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Because obviously the stakes are huge (laughs) in my life. I'm going to get there, but first let me explain something about the Holy Spirit and your spirit if you're a believer. You know, before you came to Christ, before you believed that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and he, and he is God in the flesh, and all those things, before you believed that, and before you came to Jesus Christ and knelt down and gave your heart to him, you, you were flesh. You were full of flesh, and you had no spirit inside of you. Your spirit was dead. But then you accepted Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, a miracle happened, and inside of you, the Spirit revived. Jesus brought something up from the dead. A, 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 a death resurrection, a resurrection just took place inside. We, when we accept Jesus, that miracle takes place. The Spirit comes alive. The flesh is crucified with Jesus, which, means the, which just means that the power of the flesh is broken over you. It's broken, the power that it has on you, the grip that it has to tear you down and bring you into hell. As the grip has been let go, that power is no longer on you. And Jesus is alive inside. Galatians 2.20, it's not up here, but it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's what happened. The flesh gets crucified on the flesh, which means the power of that is broken. Before you were saved, you had no choice. You could not win. But now, as a believer, you cannot lose. And that's what this beautiful thing that takes place at salvation. However, it it also means that that your home is secured in heaven. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish in hell, but have everlasting life. Life. So you got saved. Not only did he break the power of the flesh over you, but he secures a home in heaven, everlasting life. You're not going to go to hell. Hell is off the table for you. It's off the table No matter what you do, hell is off the table. You're part of God's family. God wants the believer to fight this battle, the flesh against the spirit, with that in mind. The fight of sin, knowing you've already have the victory in heaven. You're already going to go to heaven. You're not not trying to fight against sin so that God will accept you into heaven. That's not what we're talking about. That's exactly what the book of Romans and the book of Galatians is trying to clear up. You're not fighting so you can the sin so you can get to heaven. No. You're fighting sin from a position of victory. You already have the victory. The power of sin has been broken. So now you're fighting as a victor against the sin that wants to keep attacking you. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Another miracle that takes place Again, that I mentioned, our spirit comes to life. And now the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, indwells. This is all spiritual things that are taking place. 
The Holy Spirit comes inside and indwells every believer. He's inside of me. And it says in Romans chapter 8, I don't have it up here, but it says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So the spirit comes in. He bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God, and he's in there. And now the Holy Spirit inside of me is always trying to help me do God's things. He's always trying to help me do the right thing. He's always trying to push me to obey Jesus and push me to obey God's word and push me to do the right thing. He's in there. This is why, this is why you feel horrible when you sin. When you lust, walk in the flesh, when you lust after the flesh or you do a work in the flesh, this is why your heart just smites you afterwards because the Holy Spirit is inside there and says, that was, that was not good. That was horrible. If you keep going down that road, you are going to ruin your life and ruin the people around you and you feel horrible. And you, ha- you just feel that sense that I have to make this right. That is one of the best, most horrible and best feelings in the world. It's horrible on one hand because you just don't like it, but it's wonderful because it means you're a child of God. And he's not going to let you screw things up. That's God. That's God inside of there. In fact, if you don't feel bad about your sin that you're doing, I would question some things. We need to feel bad. We need to feel bad about our sin. It's the Holy Spirit inside telling us, don't do that. But there's also this other function that the Holy Spirit has inside of there because he is called the comforter, the helper. He's trying to help us do the right thing, but he also always gives us a nice pat on the back when we do the right thing. It's that inner, inner sense that that's right. Good job. You woke up and came to church today and you are gonna get a blessing for that. Even if the blessing is just, good job, my child. Good job. Do the right thing. This is going to help you. The Holy Spirit's inside of you doing all of this and then doing so much more. He's washing us. He's washing us. He's washing us, trying to help us to become more and more like Jesus, the Bible says. So, until we get to heaven, until we get to heaven, there is now this tension. The Holy Spirit's inside of there trying to clean us up, trying to pull us and help us and making us feel bad when we do sin. But then there's this flesh always pulling. I, I want this other list over here. I want all that nasty stuff. I want to go there. That's what I want. And you know you feel it inside of you, that pull to do those things. The flesh is always going to chase after materialism, anger, pornography, drugs, hatred, pleasing himself in any way he sees fit. The spirit versus the flesh. Back to verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here's the answer. We win the war by walking in the Spirit. Walking. It's interesting that God chose the word walk. Walk. He could have chose any other word, but he chose the word walk. Let's think about this word for just a minute. I want to drop some observations this morning. The Greek word is peripateo. It's obviously used, it just means to just walk. That word. But obviously here, it's used in the uh, figurative sense. He's not saying just actually somehow walk. He's saying live. It's, It's figurative for live in that spirit. Regulate. It means to regulate a person's life. Regulate your life or conduct oneself. Interestingly, a few verses down, and I don't think I have it on here, but you can look in your Bible. Verse 25, Paul says, walk in the Spirit. Again, walk in the Spirit. But this time, he uses a different Greek word. This time, he uses the Greek word stoicheo. And this word, it's a military word that means to march in order. Figuratively, what he's saying is, fall in line. 
fall in line, march in the order that God has given you, fall in line with what he has, or conform your life to the Spirit. Conform your life to the Spirit. So, here's what we're saying this morning. God wants us to point the direction of our life toward the Holy Spirit and fall in line with what he's given to us. I point my life, my whole life, in line with the Holy Spirit, and, and then I just stay there. Now, I want to conform my way of life, and not, I, what I'm saying is I'm going to conform my way of life, not, God, you conform your ways to my way of life. What I'm saying is, what we're saying here is, this means I have a new boss, and my new boss is God. This means I, God takes the steering wheel of my life, and I get in the back seat. That's what I'm saying. I, how I get in line with God and fall in line, I'm saying, God, I'm letting you lead me today. I am letting you tell me what to do today. And I'll write this minute and in this next minute and in the next minute. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Next week, we're going to talk about even more about how to walk in the Spirit. But I want to give some observations this morning about walking, and I think it'll help us with this. God used the word walk. So let's use that word to help us understand how to walk. Observations about walking. Here we go. Number one, this is just observations about walking in general, and then let's take the spiritual implication. A walk a walk is a conscious choice. A walk, to, to, to walk is a conscious choice. Most people don't walk somewhere unless they chose to walk there, uh, unless they're sleepwalking, okay? And God does not say here, sleepwalk in the Spirit. That's not what this says. No, this is a conscious decision that you and I make. It is a choice to walk or not to walk in the Spirit of God that's in there, that's trying to guide us, that's trying to lead me, that's trying to help me fall in line. It is my conscious decision to do, to do or not to do here. Every day the flesh is screaming out to follow it, and every day the Spirit is screaming out to follow Him. And you and I have to make the choice. We have to understand that it comes down to who I'm choosing to follow. This really does come down to that. My only two choices are flesh or spirit. Some might think that they can just coast in the spirit. I can just coast in the spirit and then I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Nope. They think that um, I had an experience with Jesus one time and I cried and it was really emotional and it was in a service like this and it was really powerful. But now, so now I have Jesus in there, and now I can just go home and just not worry about anything, and I'm just going to not fulfill the lust of the flesh just because I had that experience, and now I can just relax. That's not how it works. God does not say coast in the Spirit. It's like the husband who got married and figured that he could just coast in his marriage. No way. <laughs> you know, I, I learned a long time ago, and any, any of you husbands that have any brains at all know that she wants more than coasting. Shocking, isn't it? She wants our undivided love. Undivided love. She wants that. She wants <clears throat> talking. She, she wants closeness. She wants day after day after day after day love. And it is the greatest thing when you finally just say, that is what I'm going to choose to do. And it's the best life. And you don't get that, all those things, by coasting. It's very similar to what God wants this morning. He wants our undivided love. He wants our closeness. He wants us to be near him. He wants communication. He wants us to just enjoy the life that he, he wants to give us. 
and you do not coast into that. No, every day we are supposed to wake up and say, Jesus, I want this day to be about you. Whoa, Pastor Luke, every day you're supposed to say that? Like, I know Sunday you're supposed to say that, but Monday you're supposed to say that, and Tuesday even? I mean, Wednesday and Thursday, all those days you're supposed to wake up and say that? Yes. Um, A while back, some of you were here, but it's been maybe a few years now, we had a guest teacher come, and he he, uh, challenged us to do just that very thing. He said, I'm going to challenge you to make a commitment to every day, wake up, and the first thing you say when you wake up in the morning, the actual first thing you say is, Jesus, I want this day to be about you. He's the guy who said, snoozers are for losers. You know, snooze button, (laughs) snoozers are for losers. And he said, get up early, and he challenged us to, to do that. I remember I hated that message that he gave that day. And, and what he was talking about was waking up in the Spirit. <laughs> and I've tried to do that most days since then. And man, and I, I have failed miserably many days. But a lot of days I've woken up and I've, I've yes, Jesus, I want this day to be about you. I want you to lead this day. I want you to have this day. That is just starting the, the, the day right. In waking up in the Spirit helps you walk in the Spirit. The truth is that it's easier, listen everybody, it's easier to follow Jesus when you love Jesus. I would just challenge you this morning to find a way to fall in love with Jesus all over again. It's a whole lot easier to make this choice. It's a whole lot easier for me to make the choice to communicate with my wife, to spend time with my wife when I love her from deep inside my heart to appreciate her. When we appreciate Jesus, when we appreciate what he's done, it just fills our heart with love and it's a whole lot easier to then submit. But you have to choose that. It's a walk in the spirit. It's a choice to do that. It's a choice to love. It's a choice to appreciate. The other thing about walking, another observation is a walk is slow. A walk is slow, but it's steady. God didn't say, sprint in the Spirit. He said, walk in the Spirit. Many, many people sprint with God, and then they fizzle out. You can't, make this, you can't make this Christian life, you can't make this a one and done thing. You have to settle in to the Christian life for a long walk. You have to settle in. This is going to, just like, again, a marriage, this is going to be for the long haul, and we're going to do this. It's going to be day after day, and we're going to get close, and so many people want to just, oh, let me try this Jesus thing out. Let me try this Jesus thing out and see if it helps my current situation that I'm in. If it helps that, then I'll take the next thing and I'll do the next thing. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You go all in. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Lose yourself. You don't win the flesh. You don't win against the flesh You don't win this war, the flesh and the spirit, in that way. The Christian life is meant to be a walk, one foot in front of the other. Walking in the spirit is a way of life. It's not a temporary thing. Have you heard the term, one thing led to another? It's usually people say it when it's something bad. You know, one thing led to another, and then this happened. But it's like that really with doing right, too. It really is. One good thing leads to another good thing. And one step in the Spirit leads to another step in the Spirit, and then to another step in the Spirit, and then to another step in the Spirit. Walking is slow, but it's, it's steady. It's steady. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall down. We're going to trip up. We're going to go back. We're going to do some of those things in the flesh. Yes, yes, yes. But if you get up and you get back, back walking, you take a step two steps back, but you take another step. You take two steps forward, and you got an, another step back. By the end of the day, you're walking in the Spirit. Oh, God, help me to keep back on track with you. Let me walk in the Spirit. You look back on the end of the day, and you said, you know, there was some walking in the Spirit today. Thank you, Lord, for that. And then, by the end of the week, you, you've had some real walking in the Spirit. You look back at the week, and you say, I, there was some walking in the Spirit there. And I I, I didn't fulfill the lust of the flesh as much as I normally do. And I, this is good. 
by the end of the year, by the end of the decade, by the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and say, man, for the most part, (laughs) there was some walking in the Spirit there. And I thank the Lord that I didn't fulfill those lusts of the flesh so often because I was just slow, steady walking in the Spirit. Remember what the benefits of walking in the Spirit are? Galatians 5, just a few verses down, says, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is, you can think about this at the end of your life and at the end of the week, at the end of the day. The fruit of walking in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance, or self-control. Against such there is no law. There's a sweet sense, there is a beautiful sense about that person when they have been walking in the Spirit. That's why God says in the next chapter, Galatians chapter six, sow to the Spirit, plant in the Spirit. It takes a while, but you just keep planting and planting and planting and planting. It's slow, it's steady, but you keep doing it, you keep doing it. You keep doing it, keep getting back up and keep doing it because there's so much that God wants to help us reap and get from all that planting. It's the little choices. It is the little choices. And I, I don't know if I could stress this enough. It's the little choices we make every day that yield the biggest fruit in the end. And lastly, a walk is a doable duty. A walk is very doable duty. It's doable. Now, if you told me, that I have to run an entire 5K tomorrow, I would be a dead man, okay? I would not survive that. I cannot run that far right at the stage of life that I'm in and the stage of my body. But if you asked me to walk a 5K tomorrow, I could do that. I could do that. God is not asking us to run in the Spirit. He's asking us to walk in the Spirit. God isn't asking us to do something impossible. This is not impossible. It's not. He He has given us the Holy Spirit inside us to help us walk in this Spirit. It's just do the next right thing, listening to Him. Just take your next step Put one foot in front of the other. Take the next step that God has been speaking to you about. Take the next step that God has been speaking to you about. I'm actually working on a spiritual growth plan for everyone in our church, for our our church. And as we grow and as the Lord grows us and we move to the new building, I want to kind of introduce this and and see how all of us can make sure that we're growing in our walk with the Lord. But all spiritual growth, if you really think about it, comes down to this. It really all comes down to this. Just take your next step with God. Do you need to get saved? Have you never been saved? Then take the step and get saved. Come on. Do you need to be baptized? Have you never been baptized? Which is a step of obedience? Then take that step. If that's your next step, then take that step. If your next step is reading the Bible, then read the Bible. Take that next step. If it's reading a little more Bible than you normally do, then take that step. Take that step. Whatever step God has been talking to you about, is it to serve in a ministry? Then take that step. Is it to pray more? Then take that step. Is it to join the church? Take that step. If it's to tithe, then take that step. Is it to live generously? Then take that step. If it's, is it just to surrender everything in your whole life to Jesus? Then take that step. Is it to give up a sin? Then take that step. Is it to forgive that person that you know you need to forgive? Then take that step. Is it to get in a class where you can learn more? Then take that step. Is it to learn the Bible more? Take that step. Too many of us have gotten comfortable in our current place where we are. Sin may not even bother us anymore. That's sad. We're not seeking ways often to serve Jesus anymore. You know, a lot of this walking in the Spirit is really just obeying what Jesus tells us to do and doing something good for Him, getting busy for Him. Are you, let me ask you a question, are you still taking steps in the Spirit? Are you still taking your steps? It's remarkable what happens when we just take our next step. I, there was a little boy, and I love this 
story, and I'm going to kind of close with this, but a little boy, he this is an old story from way back, and he was, his dad and he came in at the train station after a long journey, and they got off the train together, and they're going to make their way home, start walking home. And the little boy wanted to carry the suitcase for his daddy, like little boys do. He said, Daddy, I want to carry the suitcase home. And he said, okay, son, you can do it. Dad allowed him to put his little hand on the suitcase and, and try to start carrying it. And of course, you know what dad did. He put his big old hand over the little boy's hand and helped pick that up and carry it all the way home. They both hand in hand took that, that suitcase all the way home. When they walked in the door and saw mommy, what do you think that little boy said? Mommy! Ah, look what I carried home. I carried this whole suitcase home. You know, when we walk in the Spirit, when we make the decision, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to submit to you. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to make that choice, and I'm going to make it about you, and I'm going to do this thing. God puts his big hand over ours, and he helps us carry out that mission. He is not just leaving it out there up to us. There is this big old strength that comes along and says, I'm going to help you finish this. I'll help you do it. I'm not just leaving you out there. This is a walk in the Spirit. You're not doing it by yourself. It's with the Spirit's help. So where are you this morning? Are you willing to lay everything down and follow Jesus for the long haul? Are you willing to just take that next step? And that would be the thing. That would be the way to walk in the Spirit today. Take the next step. Tomorrow morning, take the next step. At, at 9.30 tomorrow, take the next step. At 9.35 tomorrow, take the next step. On Tuesday at 2 p.m., take the next step. Every day, every time, we're just saying, Lord, I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to walk. I want to choose to walk in the Spirit here. So where are you this morning? Are you willing to take that next step, whatever it may be? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening here. Thank you for...